I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And we're recording on a Saturday night because our lives are super interesting. Yeah. Um, just hot off hot off of the nightclubs. Just just kidding. We didn't do anything. Yeah, we hit up we, Boston's tequila rain. Is that a thing anymore? I don't know. Um <laughs> we didn't go clubbing. We just sat around our houses and watched an episode of X-Men the Animated Series because that's the podcast you're listening to. A show where we yeah. rewatch every X-Men animated franchise in order back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power grow in us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men and the mutant brotherhood all of their adventures more than anyone should from the comic book pages to the it though except for when colossus and juggernaut threw cars at each other for half an hour yeah, we, we didn't, didn't enjoy, enjoy that. it last time but this time we also didn't enjoy that time that wolverine became an eskimo okay so there have been a couple of dud episodes but i actually really enjoyed <laughs> this this week's app and i didn't expect to i thought it was fun i gotta say overall with this show um i was planning for us to go back and sort of be like okay the x-men animated series is a show that we grew up with and like it's gonna be kind of like nostalgic but it's probably not going to be very good because it definitely is wacky but i've been proven wrong like and i've seen this show a bunch like but coming at it from a critical eye it's actually pretty good considering it's like the 90s and what their budget was and like it's a kid's so, show and there's like a bunch of they're doing a lot yeah i think i think lady iterations of x-men have gotten easier to follow in terms of writing like x-men evolution and wolverine and the x-men well because we'll they, be the judge of that when we get there well but they decide to slow down the process of about the amount of information they give you yeah but like i was gonna like the show either way but i am liking it from a critical standpoint and i wasn't necessarily expecting that so that's good for this show Good job, creators of X-Men, the animated series. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was a good episode, too. So anyway, previously on the X-Men. Woo! This previously... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Except all of this, this happens before that music cue comes in, but yeah. Well, then I can't turn it off, so... Stop! Stop! I just want it to be funny. <laughs> All I watched it was be funny, and then it wouldn't stop playing. It's fine. All right, so we're just on a previously... train rolling down a track, and that train is X Men, and it's not stopping, folks. Yeah, that's the mutant power. I have the mutant power of a downhill train off the rails. Yeah. So anyway, the previously on X Men segment in this episode is almost entirely about Genosha and Cable, which was cool yeah, so because I was like, all yes, that... Cable's coming back. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yes, but also it means all that shit between Colossus and Juggernaut was completely null and void. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Which is more important. Yeah, thanks so God. I was excited about that. Yeah, so remember Cable? He is a time traveler who wears a lot of eyeliner and has cool gadgets 
and nobody knows anything about him. Yeah, he's a mysterious. He comes from the future. He came to kill the leader. Mm-hmm. And so in Anjanosha, all the mutants were enslaved to create robots that would later kill them. Mm-hmm. And they also were wearing these special collars that would prevent their mutant powers from working. And right. um, those collars had some way of working, some way of inhibiting those mutant powers. And that, that but becomes how is that possible? maybe a theme of this Maddie. episode. Um, I don't know. But meanwhile, Professor Xavier decided to take a vacation to Mirror Island while the mansion was completely. Where he was oh, no. Going. He just was like, see ya, bitches. And then while he was gone, Juggernaut came and destroyed the mansion. Yeah. I guess not that well because they keep on going inside of it while they're rebuilding it. I mean, um, they're like in the process of rebuilding it because they ran into Colossus and he helped them and then immediately left. Um, yeah, before they even finished. Not that any like, of I that think was, was like part of I the I think Colossus was literally time. like mid putting up like one of those steel beams. And he was like, anyway, I have to go see the rest of America. Goodbye. It just like left. Yeah, pretty much. What an asshole. <laughs> I mean, none of that episode mattered except for the fact that the mansion got destroyed. But even that, like, it, it didn't end up mattering because we never really found out why Juggernaut did that. And like, also he lost all of his memories at the end of the episode. I don't know why I'm going over it again. Anyway. You know what? That's just what happened in the last episode, which catches up to us up to speed here where we the meet. mansion has been destroyed. Yeah. We don't know where Xavier is. He's supposedly at Weir Island mm-hmm. and well, we're going to dive into knows that. But the X-Men do not know where he is. Really? The X-Men don't know anything. He sent them, like, a weird message, and they don't know whether or not he's alive, right? Like, they still don't know whether he's alive at the beginning of this episode. It's like, they don't really understand where he went. Maybe Magneto got him. They don't really consider that an option. They're like, Magneto could have took him, I guess. I mean, I feel like they think he's could be dead. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so this episode actually starts by introducing us to Warren. Warren Worthington. Oh, my boyfriend. I was going to say, one of Ryan's major crushes growing up, slash avatars, (laughs) just slash personal goals. I mean, conquests, maybe? I don't know. So Warren is just, yeah, conquest. Are we just going to say that you had sex with him? Yeah, well, according to to the other podcast that I'm recording, where we're reading like the old fictions fictions. that Katie and I wrote, where Mm -hmm. I do have sex with archangel and wolverine and ice well, the answer is your, yes your self-insert character yeah. within the fan fiction yeah sometimes his name would just become right this is not important anyway the <laughs> point not- is warren worthington is hot he's my number three on my top 20 x-men so yeah and we only Which get we to have s- said on this show before yeah and we only get to see him briefly because he's only here for the opening because I, I guess mean, we're about to go I into... I was already uh, laughing out loud, pretty much starting with this scene, like, throughout the episode, because this episode is, like, very funny. So <sighs> Warren is lounging by the fire with this lady. This is who, also, like, the version of Warren Worthington from all the animated series where he is so gay. Like, it doesn't matter that he's with women. He is so gay on this show. Yeah, and, he's, he's like, chilling in a Swiss chalet and, like... Or I don't know where they are. It might be in Switzerland. I don't know. I mean, um, it's a sh- we know it's a chalet because he takes the time to does. tell he us that's what that it is. It's a chalet. Yeah, it's it's like you know a, a ski like, vacation for rich money. people because money everyone on X Men the animated series loves hanging out near skiing slopes. It's yeah. like a thing. Oh my god! There's there's later episodes where they go skiing. Yeah, and- but we've already mentioned it previously when Wolverine went to the Arctic and was skiing around. Anyway, so this lady's flirting with Warren 
I, does she even get a name in this episode? She doesn't, and her accent isn't real. She's like, <laughs> she she's has like, like a really thick, I don't know, German. It's, maybe accent? it's German, Scottish, British. It's a cross between all of them. And she's like, Warren, why do you push me away? <laughs> yeah, she's like, Warren, why won't you have sex with me? And he's like, I'm not good for you. And, and it's like, oh, so you're gay? Yeah, like, pretty what much. You, what's Did, okay, right now? I th- we're gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and say this whole episode, which we haven't even said the name of, is called "The Cure," and it's probably it the closest to all the episodes of an allegory for the gay community. Yes, like I think this is the closest it gets. It's also the episode that is the gayest possible episode. Like every character in the episode seems gay. And I don't know whether that was an intentional parallel with like the thematic <laughs> elements happening in the episode. I, I'm i going to say probably not, but it yeah. definitely is a part of the episode. So anyway, right. the lady's hitting on him and over the course of hitting on him, some exposition is revealed that's important, which is that this Dr. Gottfried Adler normally stays in this chalet and is like associated with Warren in some way, but he's away in Scotland and we already remember Muir Island from before. So we think probably he's over there. Right. And yeah, that's the only important thing. And this lady is like, why do you push me away? And Warren's like, you would not even like me for what I really am. And he's like staring into the fireplace, like looking like, you know, he's just thinking, I don't know. So we're like, okay, he's a mutant. And also he's gay. Like, sure. (laughs) Uh, The Uh, metaphor has been understood. Meanwhile, Cable's hiding in a bookcase. So anyway, Cable's here. (laughs) So Warren wanders into another room and like Cable's literally hiding inside of a bookcase. And Warren screams (laughs) as soon as he sees him because like you would. It's not even like he gets a chance to see him because Cable's walking around in there. We don't know what he's doing. He sees that Warren's coming. So he hides in the bookcase and then Warren's (laughs) passing the bookcase and like Cable Cable. punches his hand through the bookcase. And this arm just comes out of the bookcase and grabs Warren and Cable's like peeking between the books being like are you Dr. Adler and Warren's like no who the fuck are you okay I actually made a note of this the voice actor okay the voice actor for Cable is amazing first of all and second of all he keeps doing like really weirdly calm line reads for all of these like aggressive questions so like he grabs Warren and Warren screams and then like calmly he's like are you Adler? Like I know. he like chooses to like say it very calmly, and it, he does that at other points too, where like the other person is freaking out, and he'll just be like, "I'm Cable." I know he's. Just I'm too totally cool. calm because he's I'm. Too cool I'm from the future, school. and I have plasma grenades. So Warren's like, "I'm not Doctor Adler," and he and Warren, I don't know where he pulls this from, but he just reveals a giant, massive laser gun out of his like shirt yeah. and shoots Cable. He misses, like, I mean, he's point blank, and Warren somehow manages to shoot, like, across the room. And Cable's I think just... this is, like, one of those situations where it's a kid's cartoon, so they can't have real guns, so everybody has laser guns. It doesn't even matter, because Warren, like, aims for Cable's face and shoots in the opposite direction somehow. Yeah, and then, and then Cable makes fun of him for missing, and then I know, they have it's a really fight. great. I mean, Cable's just like, next time you shoot me, don't miss. And it's like... And yeah, then he immediately misses advice. again, and Cable goes, guess you have a short memory, and then pushes him off the balcony into the snow. And yeah, Warren, which apparently like, is incredibly deep, because Warren sinks in, like, 10 feet. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why he doesn't actually get hurt, 
is because yeah. he falls into this huge snowdrift. Right, and then we hear Warren's girlfriend, and she's or whatever she is to him, and she's like, "Warren!" And like Cable goes to hide, and you behind see the him. Door. He's blatantly hiding behind the door. He, it's like I so, so obvious. I know. And so then she walks in and he shuts the door and she's like totally freaked out that this man from the future with all these gadgets is standing there. And she she's like, like ah, I, where's Warren? <laughs> I give this no named lady props because she like does talk to him and ask him questions despite mm-hmm. like there being a strange man in the room and Warren is missing. This was the other super casual line that I wrote down. Cable just goes, He's all right about Warren. Like, just shrugging. Literally shrugging. What? (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Warren is, like, dramatically standing outside, like, climbing out of the snow. And with um, with a groan, he's like, and his wings pop out, and he flies back in, and Cable's gone. Yeah, Cable gets out of there, and and the lady takes out the gun to shoot Cable. But also, she's got her eyes closed for some reason for like a really long time. I maybe there's smoke and it got into her eyes, but she picks up this gun and she shoots Warren instead because she's just shooting a gun blindly for no particular reason. I don't Uh, know. Yeah, I mean, I I guess she thinks Warren is gone, and like she sees Warren coming back in, and she thinks it's Cable. I don't know, guys. Gun safety is important. It is. It is. And then (laughs) Warren's like, she hates me, and flies away. But this woman's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like she's obviously sympathetic to him. I interpreted it as like Warren already didn't care about this lady and was just like, I'm just gonna go. (laughs) I mean, that's that's possible too. But I think it's important to talk about the fact that this like npc essentially like wasn't a mutant hater and warren just kind of assumed oh maybe that... i didn't even interpret it that way i don't I just know thought warren was like being an asshole he, i mean and he I was is like, that's quintessential warren worthington and like warren warren at one point says to himself warren's gone like, <laughs> i forgot to mention that and I, I was just like <gasps> i just watched okay. this I made a note of that. I'm like, why did he say that? I don't know. I was hoping you knew. Like, I, I mean, don't... I thought it was because maybe he was becoming Archangel as yeah, in the Horseman of the Apocalypse. But according to this show, that hasn't happened yet. So he just... Yeah, it's just him being really fucking emo. I was going to say, like, he's monologuing I'm by no the fireplace, one. writing poetry, being like, Warren's dead on the inside. He's gone Warren's because never he just been died. Here. Warren is an empty shell. Of just no the shadow the of Warren. Warren. Now I'm not an I'm angel an anymore. Angel, I'm a I'm hell a angel. angel. <laughs> <laughs> we just recited everything that I wrote in high school. There yeah. we go. Good job. And I mean, that's why you liked Warren, right? I mean, he was such I an liked, emo angel. I liked Warren because he was fucked up and... As I already stated today, I tend to always fall for the fucked up guys. So, well, you know, if you meet Warren in real life, I don't think you should date him because Warren tells people literally to their face not to date him because he's yeah, fucked up. But he's and got if a anybody lot of money. ever actually says that to you, it's usually a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, over to Muir Island. Yeah, Professor just casually. X is, is alive. Just like, is alive and apparently can't be fucking bothered to contact anyone back at home and is just rolling around with his girlfriend Moira McTaggart who has a cute little Scottish accent in this yeah and they're just telling us a bunch of exposition together sure and I think I'm gonna note here that if you've seen the X-Men films Moira McTaggart has appeared in X-Men 3 and then First Class and Apocalypse and in X-Men 3, she's a scientist, which she is in the comics and on this show. But then in X-Men Apocalypse and um, 
first class, she's a spy for the government. So if that's the version of Moira McTaggart you think she is, that's not her character. This is Moira McTaggart. She's a scientist. She does genetic research, and she's like one of Charles Xavier's best friends and lovers. Yeah, so. well, not that they spell that out in this. I mean, no. I, they don't say that they're dating, but... No, yeah, not yet. Um, they are talking about how apparently Dr. Adler is at this island compound with them and he's doing research and professor x is like maybe i should use my fucking powers for once in my life and right like, because they're at this building that dr adler's in and Moira's like hey dr adler my friend wants to meet you and dr adler's like no, no! nobody's allowed in and so she's like i guess we gotta leave and xavier finally uses powers like you said and just yeah. sees all these flashes of mystique and apocalypse and then just has a seizure <laughs> yeah, he his face starts twitching. And then the next time we see him, he's like lying down and he's like, maybe Dr. Adler is a mutant. That could be an explanation for like these mysterious people that I saw when I tried to connect with his mind. And Moira is like, well, that would explain the research that he's working on, which is that he's trying to develop a cure for being a mutant. And then they kind of have this philosophical trade-off about how professor x is like well you don't really need a cure for something that isn't a disease it's uh some just something that some people are and some people aren't mutants yeah it's like and, you know if you're um, born with like a genetic mutation on your finger or something like that's not a disease it's just a like mutation it's just something about you yeah. yeah and moira is like well not every mutant sees it that way and what do your x-men have to say about it and professor x doesn't fucking know because he hasn't contacted anyone or told them why he's there <laughs> i know he, he has even no says answer that. for this she, he's he's like, a... he literally says i don't know because he hasn't contacted them and, he's and like, then and he, he goes... finally is like maybe i should ask them what they think about all this <laughs> it's so great it's so great it's classic xavier like we go back to the mansion and it's being built and all the x-men are putting back together and they're clearly not having a good time because they're rebuilding the mansion from scratch and wolverine is walking around simultaneously hitting on everyone while antagonizing them it's like you know like when you're a kid you like sort of bully the kid that you have a crush on it's like what Wolverine's doing here because like he's also saying things that are like incredibly sexualized versions I of what's say going that, on. Like w- what he says to Jean is just straight up flirting with her. Like he says that e- to Gambit too. It starts with him talking to Gambit and Gambit's working on something. And Wolverine's like, "Hey Gambit, you better watch me if you want to learn something." And like sort of like <laughs> bends over and does a hammer. And Gambit's like the fuck like we're working right now and then he walks over to gene and gene's like like i always did like working with my hands like as though that's going to impress her and she's like i prefer to work with my mind and then she like uses her telekinesis to put a bunch of nails into a piece of wood i think he also says let me help you nail that in gene or something like that then he walks over to storm and storm's like working with the mortar i don't know making pavement and he's like hey storm you better like make that a little bit more wet if you catch my drift (laughs) And then Gambit's like, eventually Gambit's like, okay, I know, I know. That's what he tells her. He's like, he's like, make this more wet storm. And Gambit's had enough. He's like, yo, like, I'm cool with the flirting because it's me on Gambit. But there's like a time and a place. Stop telling people what to do. And also stop antagonizing them. Like you're like flirting with them and also being an asshole to them at the same time. And so he's like, Wolverine, you're all big and tough. And like, you think you're in charge and wolverine's just like well you should probably learn something from me because you're only good at pickpocketing and stealing from babies and gambit's like 
yeah, fuck this. So he goes over to like the bricks that Wolverine's like, plastered together. Incredibly dangerous. Like, well, the honestly, Wolverine like, does he, deserves it here. I love Wolverine, but he's being an asshole. And so I like, know it's just funny. Gambit just charges one of the bricks, and Wolverine it turns sees it into this. a bomb, basically. And then Wolverine sees this brick has turned into a bomb, and like starts running away, screaming. <laughs> and then Cyclops is like, "What the fuck, Gambit? Like, can you stop?" endangering everyone and Gambit Gambit's is like, just like casually Wolverine deserves it yeah. because if he doesn't watch his mouth and whatever and Wolverine's like oh no this is so sexual he's like he's like Wolverine better watch his mouth and Wolverine's like you don't need to worry about what my mouth is doing and I'm like what is happening why is Wolverine being like he just wants to fuck everyone there apparently it and does... everyone is like we're busy yeah pretty much and so then they go to fight each other a rogue like like puts gambit in a cage uh, by taking the piece of the roof off and like putting it over him and yeah. she's like you two need to take a cold shower essentially she's like <laughs> you boys need to go cool off take a cold shower i don't know to like go jerk off in the corner i don't know but like we got work to do and wolverine's like you i knew you were all soft for the cage in and she's like the only one that's soft is you wolverine now you're gonna shut up or i'm gonna have to punch you in the face <laughs> it's like yeah it's pretty great it's like it reminds me of how great Rogue once was as a character before. This fucking... is a good episode for her. Uh, well, this is like how she is or was in the comics before they went and made her super fucking emo because of the X-Men movies in which I they know. kind of retconned her into being like a whiny, pathetic. Teen. Yeah. And like in this, she goes through I mean, those this, motions. She's like the same age as, as Gambit and, and everybody. So it, it's kind of like she's just part of this group of, of sort of young 20 something X-Men who are figuring out their shit. Yeah. But, you know, the movies change everybody's ages all the time and it completely changes the dynamics of everything. Right. But, but anyway, so Rogue is like getting ready to punch Wolverine in the face. And then Jubilee runs out for the only line that she has in this entire episode where she just throws her hands up in the air. She's like, hey, guys, guess who's calling us on the phone right now? Oh, my and it's God. It's like <laughs> fucking finally Professor X has revealed to them that he isn't dead and is like capable of calling them on the fucking phone. Right. Like he just couldn't be bothered until now. I know. I can't believe him. I, I don't know. And then so this is we, we get treated to a, an actually decent set of dialogue here where they're basically talking about this cure that Xavier and Moira have found out about. Xavier's like, what should we do about this? What are your opinions? And Wolverine's like, they probably want to steal our powers and use them against us. And Cyclops is like, that's a fair point. They may want to try and use our powers against us. But, you know, I think some mutants probably would want to be normalized. Like, they don't want to lose their powers. Yeah, I mean, he says become normal. And then oh. Wolverine goes, yeah, who? I know, and Storm is like, well, Charles Xavier told us to value our powers, but and for our sake and for everyone, and Wolverine's like, you tell him, Storm, no deserters in our crowd. Nobody here would, like, ever want to lose their powers because mutants are great, and if you are somebody that's going to desert us, well, then fuck you. And, so, and I'm then, like, of Rogue's course, throughout like, all this, we have a shot on Rogue's face, and Rogue is looking really upset and sad. Yeah. And it's also, like, ironic to hear this from Wolverine, who previously has deserted the team repeatedly. This is, like... Wolverine like, being Wolverine, like he's I just know. so emotionally distressed. I love him, but he's a hypocrite and wrong, like eighty percent <laughs> of the time. He, of all the X Men, Wolverine is without a doubt 
in every iteration of the X-Men ever is like the biggest drama queen of all of them. You could say it's rogue, but like it's honestly, not. Wolverine just like just has so much fucking package, dude. Like, yeah, for real. Anyway, uh, so we we get this this preview that the episode's going to be about Rogue wanting to find the cure. Right. So then we we cut to Gene and Cyclops fucking on the construction <laughs> materials. Like literally, they're like they have just passed they have just out had from. Sex. It's like very obvious from the framing of this that they have just had sex in a barn on some construction materials because they're cuddling each other alone in like a barn. And like she's like on top of him. Yeah, guys, it's it's like about as sexual as I've seen this show get. It's like real. It's basically like I don't want to pose this assuming that everybody who's listened to our podcast has had sex. But if you've had sex and you've like are happy with it afterwards and you're cuddling with your lover, there's like a certain way that you position yourself with the person you just had sex with. And that's what that is right here. Yeah, Except their they're clothes doing. are on, like their full uniforms are on, which may be their kink. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think they just put their uniforms back on. I don't know. Anyway, so they're talking about rogue of all people to talk about after having sex with each other. Yeah. And Jean's <laughs> like, I'm worried about rogue Scott. And so uh, Cyclops is just like, why? <laughs> And Jean's like, well, because of the mutant cure, I feel like Rogue looks at the way that we touch each other and fucking the and bar. She's just, she just wants something like that for herself. And it's like, no one, Jean, no one is thinking that way, no. except for maybe Logan. But I, like, yeah. <laughs> and then, so Rogue goes to leave, and we have some great exchanges here between her and gambit where she yeah, gets in Rogue the car hops in her car she's got a pamphlet from weir island she also and owns gambit, a convertible i guess she's yeah, got some money cool. so she uh, tries to drive off and gambit hops in the car and like won't let her leave and she's like you know using her super strength to throw him out of the car and he keeps hopping back in the car and eventually it comes to a head because he says to her let's have a kiss before you go and she gets really upset and, and gets like, out of the gets car. Gets out of the car. And storms and walks away. away. And he follows her and she's like, you know why I can't kiss you. You know what happens to people if I touch them. And he kind of is still joking with her and he goes, well, maybe it's worth it. And it's like very adorable. And she yeah. just can't hear of it and storms off. Yeah, she just off. flies away. And that's the end of that. And this, it's so really then, sad. I, I mean, it is. It's like kind of a sweet moment with <sighs> Gambit. Like at first in this scene, I thought he was being really annoying. And then I realized that he was like kind of just getting at the heart of the matter with her by being yeah. like, listen, this is what you're actually upset about, right? Pretty much. Gambit has he has a very complicated relationship with rogue but like he i mean like he will emotionally manipulate everyone but he and rogue like he kind of has a soft spot for her and he also has a uh, a soft spot for storm and like you know he will do things to make them feel better and sometimes wolverine too him and wolverine have like even the comics is more sexual than it is here but especially rogue and so he will do what he can to make her feel better because like he actually gives a shit about her because i think he feels like they have a lot to relate about. They're both Southern. They're both like criminals, essentially. Rogues, Rogues fixed herself, but Gambit's like, yo, like, let's be real. You're sort of a bad guy still. And she's like, fuck you. So, yeah, I don't but know. Gambit's still definitely more of like a bad guy than Rogue, usually. Yeah. But yeah. And so anyway, Rogue flies away. Rogue hops onto the wing of a plane. Oh my God. This is, I love this whole scene because like there's a dude on the plane who sees her there and he's like, ah, there's somebody on in the plane. And he's calling a stewardess over and like she just flies away and the woman looks out the window and the guy's like, 
looking out in horror at the window and nobody's there the stewardess just like laughs at him and like leaves it's kind of cool when the show includes these little asides to like bridge us between scenes and show us what happens because otherwise we might wonder to ourselves like i guess rogue flew to muir island by herself but like instead we get this sort of interstitial scene where it's indicated once again that she's still an outsider like she's on the outside of the plane there's all these humans inside the plane judging her like it's funny but it's also like thematically appropriate you know i thought that was very appropriate too Meanwhile, in a gay bar in We Are Ireland, <laughs> oh we ha- we meet Avalanche and Pyro, members of the Brotherhood. And Who are married. <laughs> they, I guess, and also wearing their costumes to the bar. So maybe the, yeah. the, maybe it's like one of those cool gay costume bars. I don't know. Apparently, because nobody at the bar is judging them for any of those. There's also nobody at the bar. There's nobody staffing the bar. There's nobody in the bar. Anyway, they're hanging out. <laughs> They're talking about how they're, like, waiting for Mystique to show up. And they've never met her, or at least Avalanche hasn't. And Avalanche is an idiot in this. He's like, what does Mystique look like? And Pyro's like, oh, I'm going to talk like an old-timey Sherlock Holmes for the rest of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't tell. Was he supposed to be Irish or British? I don't know. The accent was, like, not The accent work overall in this episode is, like, not good. It's all over the place. And Pyro, for the record, is supposed to be Australian. Well, that didn't come across. (laughs) I think they were doing this weird Sherlock Holmes meets Crocodile Dundee thing, and it just was a fucking hot mess. It was. And speaking of hot mess, Pyro. <laughs> um, or we could say Rogue, who is the person who walks into the bar. And I she guess gets because she's wearing her costume, they figure out that she must be a mutant of some kind and they think maybe she's Mystique. Also, I want to point out that this is like the first time uh, we see on this show, and especially in a kid's show where Rogue goes to a bar, orders an alcoholic drink they don't say what it is but they give her an alcoholic drink like that's what she orders yeah i mean i guess so i didn't know what it was it could just be a soda i mean i guess that's what they tell people but they're at a bar so and so avalanche goes over and is like maybe that's mystique now or yeah because they don't mystique could be a shape changer and they don't right. know what she looks like and anybody who's wearing a zentai suit could be mystique or that's could true. be any super villain and like pyro was like yeah it could be because she's a shapeshifter so let's find Plus, out like their method for finding out if it's mystique is for them both to hit on her like I know. why did they think that I was gonna work no so and pyro like, walks up and he like puts his arm around he's her like, and he's like hey. wanna have a hot date and she's like no and like throws him through the wall and avalanche is like why don't you try me and rogue's like well only because you asked me so nicely mister and like throws him through the wall into the ocean and avalanche lands in the ocean and fucking cable goes he goes by on a speedboat yep yep <laughs> and, and then avalanche... avalanche is like where's pyro oh my god he screams for pyro and he goes where'd he go and it's like I mean, literally anywhere, like, he was in the wall. You felt like you somehow are still alive, dude. Like, I don't know how bad. Meanwhile, I guess the bar is just destroyed because, like, I guess Rogue leaves. We don't see her leave. I Um, mean, this is, like, one of those things, like, who's paying for property damage on this show? I mean, that's why I'm, like, I guess it's just, like, some crazy mutant bar where it's, like, socially acceptable for mutants to just go there and destroy shit because apparently no one complained. You might be right because at the beginning of that scene, there was another person in the bar and it was obviously a mutant. Oh, I didn't even notice anybody else in that scene. Yeah, there was another guy at the bar at the beginning. He's drinking and he's got, like, horns on his head. So I guess Muir Island is, like, a safe haven for mutants. Like, it's cool to be a mutant there. Cool. Anyway... 
Rogue doesn't think it's cool to be mutant because she wants to get this mutant cure. So she heads on over to Adler's compound and he won't let her in. So she rips the door off and then we meet this guy, Dr. Adler, who looks kind of like Albert Einstein or something. Yeah. And he's like got a German accent and he's like, you want the cure? But with someone of great power and great beauty, why would you want the cure? And I was like, why is he talking about how she's beautiful? That's like super fucking creepy. I mean, it is super but don't creepy. Worry, guys, There's a reason it's not for it. Really, Doctor Adler. Yeah. It's really Mystique. And Mystique knows. Well, it's not really revealed here that. Mystique's her mom, but like Mystique knows that she's yeah, Rogue's mom. But that isn't I mean, that definitely changed how I felt about that line. Like at first I was like, why is this doctor creeping on Rogue? But then once it was revealed it was Mystique, I was like, Oh, it's like a maternal thing yeah. where she's being like, But you look so so beautiful and grown up and look how powerful you are now. Like, it's like what it's it's a there's a lot of layers going on here I in know, this episode. Because it turns out that this whole cure situation isn't all it's cracked up to no, be. No, but Rogue does say, I don't want to go the rest of my life not knowing what it's like not to touch another human being. I mean, classic yeah. Rogue. And I'm pretty sure they took that line and put it in the first X-Men film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Along with, you... like, her entire backstory. Right. And just, yeah. Okay, also Pyro is spying on them through the door this entire time. And he's like, who? who the fuck is this dude? And he like runs away. So then Rogue leaves and Mystique shuts the door behind Rogue and Apocalypse is just fucking standing there. Yeah, because like, people really hide behind obviously. doors all the but time like, in this episode. We I, Let me explain to you, for anyone on the show that doesn't know who Apocalypse is, he's like the size of a house. Mm-hmm. So like, how the fuck is he hiding there? How did nobody notice that Apocalypse is just fucking casually standing there? And so Dr. Adler spins around and he's like, apocalypse and then turns into mystique and is like yo i didn't know you were coming over you should have like at least brought like pizza or something yeah like how did he sneak in there how did any of this happen like Um, rogue rips the door off and then i guess he like sneaks in after her and then hides behind the door i don't know yeah so she's like so you heard all that and apocalypse is like yes we're gonna take rogue and we're gonna strap her to this machine and make her our slave and like that's all we get on that we don't really mm-hmm. understand how that makes her a slave but i guess we'll find out at some point in this series but we are introduced to the idea that maybe this cure isn't what we thought it was right it won't really work so then we get rogue staring out at the moon on a cliffside, and she's like all she hears is storm's voice repeating in her head like over and over again being like our powers are for good our powers are for good our powers are for good and then she thinks back to the first time she kissed her boyfriend cody and they were looking out at the moon and then he fucking died because her powers manifested (laughs) i think in this version he just went into a coma but yeah i think he like officially canonically went into a coma and i just i I mean i don't know you just like made it really fucking dark in your own personal headcanon yeah it's just easier to tell the story that way but it was still pretty pretty intense for her to kiss him and then have him completely pass out right and so then meanwhile pyro was looking for his boyfriend avalanche in the water and like a wave splashes by and like cable just appears on a rock past the wave he's he's just fucking there and he's like cable's always hiding behind corners and shit and like fucking water apparently and he's like i'm looking for adler and like fucking pyro is just like well of course you are old darling like (laughs) 
and then they just start flirting with each other and, and also like fighting? shooting fires and guns and like eventually cable easily wins because you got this fucking massive gun and you know pyro falls in the water which isn't great for his fire powers and cable's just like don't call me darling yeah so he doesn't care for but, okay it. so like that is literally pyro hitting on cable right like, i know i think so like he calls him darling why would he do that if he wasn't I hitting on him? Look, I agree. Okay, I'm on your side here. I think Pyro is like bisexual in this. I, I agree. I and then Pyro walks over, or not Pyro, Avalanche walks over and pulls Pyro out of the water. Mm-hmm. And Pyro's they just make ca- out. They make out for a while. Then Pyro's <laughs> like, after they've had sex on the beach, he's just like, ah. Oh. Oh, did you know that there's this man here that's high in demand, Doctor Adler? We should kidnap him because we're not making any money, and then make a hold him for ransom. And like, yeah. it's like, and don't tell Mystique. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they were even trying to find Mystique in the first place. Did you like understand any of that? Yeah, Does because explain? they're working for Mystique as her new brotherhood. I think they state that in there, but they're talking about how when they're back but, like, in the bar. What exactly does that even entail? Well, right they don't now? really know because they're in the bar and they're like, we're working for Mystique, and Pyro's met her before, and Avalanche has not, and like. They mentioned forming the Brotherhood of Mutants, but that they're bored on the island because there's like nothing to fucking do. And like they're not stealing any money or like holding people ransom. They're not doing any criminal activities. They're just not doing anything shitty to make money. And so like that's a whole part that we forgot to mention in the bar. But that was not I mean, that was the point of their whole conversation there. And so I want to take this man, Dr. Adler, because he's high in demand by the mutants. And it's like if we hold him for ransom, they'll probably give us some kind of money. Uh, but they don't want to tell Mystique they're doing it because Mystique, like, told them to, you know, probably keep a low profile. Yeah, but, I mean, they haven't actually talked to Mystique ever in this episode. No, and... but, like, Pyro recognizes her later. So, like, I think Pyro's well, yes. met her, but Avalanche has not, because Avalanche is like, who dat? <laughs> yeah, so... so, anyway, they <laughs> head on over to Dr. Adler's and, and kidnap him and, like, well, put well, him Rogue in a bag. Is, I know, because Rogue is being operated on there, and Rogue's oh, like, right, yeah. yeah. And Rogue's like, I need him! And Avalanche just tears apart the machine with his powers, and then they bag Dr. Adler leave while Rogue's underneath the debris of this machine and they fucking leave and Rogue. And this is all before the machine has had any chance to do its work. So like Rogue hasn't received her cure yet or nor has she been turned into Apocalypse's slave. She, as far as she knows, it's still just the cure. She right. doesn't realize like what's happening. And while Dr. Adler's being kidnapped, he's like, you're making a mistake. Like because Which it's a mistake. Because it's not Dr. Adler, guys. I, this yeah. is so good, though, because like. In terms of that generation of the Brotherhood, like, they were just a bunch of fucking idiots, and Mystique, like, was doing all the fucking heavy lifting with the occasional help of Sabretooth, but, like, Pyro, Blob, Avalanche, and Toad were just a bunch of fucking idiots. I think Mastermind was there, and he was also sort of an idiot, so... I mean, it's kind of like classic kids show stuff to, like, have the villains not be that scary. Although Apocalypse is, like you know pretty fucked up but we yeah, don't know a ton about we don't really him know about him much about him and he barely is in this meanwhile there's like that huge explosion and moira and xavier are just like sleeping <laughs> upstairs i guess and moira's like dr adler and xavier like flies in on his little fucking hover chair and he's just like i heard an explosion what happened and i was like how about you use your fucking psychic powers xavier that is also what i wrote down i wrote why don't you use your fucking powers for once in your life i know jesus christ professor x i know it's so annoying so then we go back to some some place on the beach and pyro like unhoods uh dr adler 
and who like, turns into Mystique. And it turns and out to like, be Mystique. You idiots. I know. And Pyro's like, it's Mystique. And Avalanche is like, who? <laughs> who is this? Who I is Mystique? I know. And she's like, you guys fuck this up. I'm Dr. Adler. I'm posing as him. I told you guys to keep a low profile. Now, like, you fucking destroyed the machine and everything I was doing. And I'm working with this guy, Apocalypse. He probably would have, like, enhanced your powers and brought made you so much more special than you really are. But clearly you're not up for that because you're a bunch of fucking morons. So, yeah. Uh, and then she, like, turns back into Dr. Adler and, like, tries to leave. Right. Um, but Rogue shows up. Rogue shows up. And Rogue thinks they've kidnapped Dr. Adler because now Mystique is Dr. Adler appearance again. Right. And so she starts fighting them because she's like, I need Dr. Adler to heal me. And in all the hullabaloo, Mystique slash Dr. Adler manages to get away. Right. Because they're just all fucking fighting each other. I couldn't really follow any of that. Yeah. So. And then but then Mystique runs into Cable. Right. He thinks that she is Dr. Adler. Right. Still. He's like, I'm Cable. And Mystique's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Also, yep. I'm going to mention here that we keep on calling Mystique Dr. Adler, um, which uh, there's Irene Adler in the comic books, which is Mystique's canonical girlfriend ha. who does eventually die. Uh, but I'm assuming that's where they pulled the name from, even though in this show they say Dr. Adler is somebody who like existed and like she just assumed his form after she killed him or something. I don't know, but yeah, I'm just saying and that plus they do give him a first name and it's Godfrey. Right. So, so like, I don't know. Adler is mystique's girlfriend and that's important to note because i think mystique's one of the first canonical bisexual characters in the marvel universe so anyway mm. um so then we go back to moira and professor xavier and fucking cyclops and g just like run in and xavier's like what are you guys doing here and it's like well if you used your psychic powers charles you would have known they were coming also yeah. like you know you like how did they even find you like you didn't give them coordinates you didn't really tell them where you went i mean maybe gene used her powers i don't know why gene and like fucking xavier never use their psychic powers it's like to the point that like it's a joke i know and plus they're like very underpowered in this version of the show like like they can't use their powers without passing out afterwards and it takes them like five minutes to figure out one piece of information it depends on which way they hold the fingers to their head I think it's kind of like that problem where like horror movies are ruined by the fact that everyone has cell phones now where yeah. like it would be if Professor X and Jean could actually have psychic powers, then a lot of these mistaken identity plots would be solved instantly. You know, right, right. Like this whole mystique problem would be instantly solved if either one of them actually used their powers. I, I mean, Xavier tried, but he had a seizure instead because apparently his powers suck in this. Like, I, I know. Even, like, I know. They this, can't do anything without Cerebro, apparently. So then Cyclops is like, we came here because we're looking for Rogue. She came to get a cure. And Xavier's like, well, if she goes, she's going to get more than just a cure. Like something way worse is going to happen to her. So like, fuck, we got to go find Rogue. Uh, so then Pyro and Avalanche are still fighting her. They're still fighting Rogue. And mm -hmm. like Pyro's still talking like fucking, I don't know, Crocodile Dundee meets Sherlock Holmes. And Rogue goes to find Dr. Adler. But Cable has Dr. Adler slash Mystique like on a cliffside and it's yeah got the he's he's like pushed dr adler all the way down this weird cliff and he's like kind of holding him hostage i guess and is is saying that dr adler was the person who made those mutant power suppressing collars which is why i guess it would be believable that later adler would have developed a mutant cure if he supposedly made these other collars that could like suppress mutant powers right and this is was used in the genosha episode Right, right, right. So, but then um, Mystique turns back into Mystique and is like, okay, 
you're wrong because Dr. Adler's already dead, first of all. And second of all, I'm a shapeshifter and I just assumed his identity so that I could like do shit. Yeah, pretty much. And then Rogue flies in. So Mystique quickly turns back into Dr. Adler again. So Rogue doesn't see that it's her. Mm-hmm. And so Rogue thinks that Cable's the bad guy here and is trying to attack Cable. And she just picks up like a rock and throws it at Cable's gun and just Cable drops it. He's like, ah! It's like, that's all it took. It was like Rogue throwing yeah. like a pebble at him. Meanwhile, um, Professor X and Cyclops show up in like a plane immediately. Oh, yeah, the fucking Blackbird goes, shows up. There's Adler. And I just wrote, oh my God, Charles, it isn't Adler, you idiot. <laughs> like, if anyone should be able to tell immediately upon pulling up that it isn't Adler, it's Charles Xavier. Or like, Gene, who also jumps out of the plane with Cyclops. And like, they have this whole shit. fucking battle. And <laughs> Like, I don't even know. Okay, so Cable is knocked off the cliff, but also shoots Jean, so she falls off the cliff. Cable disappears. Like, Jean's about to die, and Rogue goes to catch Jean. Fly, yeah. Rogue flies down and catches Jean and we saves think they're gonna life. They are going to make out in this one section. They don't. Yeah. And then they land, and Cyclops is like, thank you, Rogue. You have no idea how much this means to me. And Dr. Adler's gone. Like, she just, like, fucking ran away. So yeah. And nobody noticed somehow. Yeah. And then Rogue just starts crying because she realizes that she used her powers to save Jean's life and she can't bring herself to get rid of them because obviously if she hadn't had her mutant powers, she wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. So she goes back to Dr. Adler's lab and helps him rebuild the machine. And Dr. Adler, who's Mystique, is really fucking confused by all of this. She's like, why is my daughter trying to help me do this? She doesn't like Mystique hasn't revealed to Rogue that it's her yet. And she doesn't understand why Rogue is helping her and like why Rogue is going back and forth. And so she's like, why did you decide you don't want your powers? And Rogue has some good lines here. Like, you know, Mystique's like, I thought you wanted to be free of your powers that confine you. And Rogue's like, I am my powers and the good they can do for the, my friends and the whole wide world I reckon I can live with that. I'm sweet as cherry pie. I'm Southern Rogue. So I kind of liked this because like she's smiling as she says this, but it comes right after the scene where we saw her like sobbing about it. I know. And I felt like this was an example of her like trying to put on a brave face and be like, I'm actually totally cool with this. It's yeah. fine. I'm fine. I'm just fun loving Rogue. I but know. like deep inside, we know that she actually is like, completely destroyed by the fact that this sure. is the lot think, that she has in life. I think Mystique is sort of relieved here because A, Rogue doesn't want to lose her powers and B, she's not going to get into this machine because Mystique, I guess it, we should mention that back when Apocalypse was like yeah, we'll make her our slave. Mystique seems like kind of worried about that because yeah. like, she's like, I don't want my daughter to be thrown in a machine. Like, I'm not really up for her becoming a slave. Like, it could be literally anyone else except for but Rogue. But she doesn't really prevent it from happening. Well, like, because it's fucking apocalypse. Like, right, like, what is she going to do? It'll happen. Well, yeah, but she doesn't. There's no part in this episode where Mystique, like, pushes back against it really. Yeah. You know? Like, she's still kind of like a gray area character. Where yeah, it's her like, and Gambit could write a book about really, that. She doesn't really, like, necessarily want this to happen, but it is Rogue's choice, and she's willing to be like, hey, if you want to put yourself in a machine you don't know anything about all right i know, know i know and i think she doesn't want to risk her mission i don't know so but she doesn't try to talk rogue back into it either she also know? doesn't talk rogue into staying so like yeah so rogue just flies out and we actually have like a kind of hilarious but like a weird chance meeting where rogue like literally bumps into warren in the air yeah they like <laughs> f- smash it to each other and like warren's like look out 
And Rogue's like, you look out. And then Ward's like, wait, how do you fly without wings? And Rogue's like, I don't know. I just do. Anyway, goodbye. And Warren's like, you're lucky. I know. I have to have wings, which is terrible. And no one understands. And then Rogue's just like, yeah, you're lucky. And then they fly away. I actually really love that inter- interaction as silly as it was because there was like was a lot great. going on there. And yeah. uh, like, I feel, well, we can talk about that in politics in a second because we can just finish out this episode because. So anyway, Warren hops into the compound and like Mystique is surprised that he's a mutant because he's just, he's apparently just been this millionaire who's been funding them. Right. But they didn't know that he had these wings. Okay. But we're not, we have to talk about the fact that like Dr. Adler, uh, Mystique asked Dr. Adler's like, I, didn't know you're a mutant warren says specifically he's like yeah why do you think i'm funding this and (laughs) and so anyway how's the cure going and that's when mystique goes out to the beach and is just screaming out at the ocean apocalypse apocalypse where are you and he fucking appears and they just have a casual conversation she's like i didn't know warren was a mutant and apocalypse goes i knew and he has this like whole ridiculous monologue they think wound up in the movie as well yeah, where he, says, he says, I know more of this world than you have even dreamed. That's why I have to destroy it. And then we get all these strings being like, <laughs> and it's like, okay. And that's the end okay. of that. So this episode is fucking wacky and silly, but I feel like there's a lot going on in it. Like, it's fun. I think it's fun, but I think it's also like a pretty well written, but it's definitely like, there's there's some wackiness going in here, like Warren right running into Rogue in the sky, and all this fucking thing with like Mystique Wolverine and Apocalypse hitting on people while the mansion's getting built, and like, like Apocalypse and Cable. I don't know, Cable and Apocalypse also just like hiding behind doorways. Like <laughs> it's kind of like the mask. How fucking serious this particular episode is. Like like all that silliness for the kids to be like, ha ha ha, he's right there, and like oh they laughed, they bumped into each other, funny, but like. It goes into the deeper politics. Yeah, it does. Which I guess we should talk about. Yeah. So So this this is this any any X-Men storyline that is about the cure, I think, is like always gonna be sort of a heavy-handed metaphor for just this myth of conversion therapy for gay people. Yeah. I mean I think there's other potential interpretations that you could use, but as far as the whole being a mutant is a metaphor for being gay thing, I feel like this these types of storylines are like the most on the nose. Yeah. Like and get it? Also you know, because it's it's very like, well, is it bad? And there's also um No, it's great. The, well no of course not <laughs> but but you know what i'm saying like yeah. there's the characters who are younger and sort of coming to terms with the fact that they're a mutant and and being worried about it and like what that means for them and blah 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 but um i think also rogue's story i mean i i don't have like proof of this or anything and i i i really don't know if this is the intention but i feel like there could potentially be like an aids metaphor for her specifically yeah. because there's I didn't just, really think about that but that's a good way to so put it there's so much of that like in this episode and like it's it's such a common theme it was also you're talking the about like very gay, early 90s which when the AIDS epidemic yeah, yeah. 
or like at least which started before then I but say, like i think the like 90s was when point. people were actually talking about it like yeah. for a really long time it was just like a silent scary thing and, and they, it was part i think of why... in the 90s they started like making like psas and also sort of like movies about it i definitely be, remember being in like middle school and watching that movie about that woman get that gets aids and like do you do you know what i'm talking about there's like, i don't because i never like saw those movies okay in well you know what <laughs> You can blame, <laughs> but apparently Natick, your town wanted to make sure that Natick you education them. has always been questionable. So, uh, anyway, um, I I never really yeah, thought about I, that. I, I think that's a fair point. I think that's probably I what's just, going I, on here. I mean, I just think that especially when you have these episodes about like sort of rogue worrying about her own sexuality and like wanting to be close to people and feeling like she's dangerous. Yeah, like, like in the nineties like, yeah, there was like, definitely like this idea that being gay was like tied up with also being more susceptible to certain STDs, which isn't like necessarily the case, but like at the time culturally that was something that was like a huge part of it the wasn't, conversation. It wasn't even was, necessarily like, being gay is dangerous for you. I and think for yeah, others. I think that's where it was because you were more nice about it, but I think it was very specifically like if you are gay, you also have AIDS and you're like yeah. going to kill all of society. Yeah, I mean that was like an implicit or explicit message of culture at the time. Yeah. And I think that Rogue's story here is either unintentionally or intentionally like sort of hearkening back to that. And the fact that she wants the cure kind of makes sense in that context, but yeah. also she has superpowers. So it's like kind of a weird, it's another example where it's like this metaphor doesn't really work because we're like talking about a woman who has super strength. But in Rogue's case, it is still interesting because so much of her story revolves around just wanting to touch other people without having to worry about it, like specifically in a sexual way. And right. Like and she can And she wants it really bad. And like Gambit, and Gambit's like, you know, it's worth the risk to me that I could potentially get an STD from you. I don't care. Like, I think that's cute. It's like really endearing that they, that he says that to her and is like, listen, we can figure it out. Like, we'll just get a really big dental dam. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's all going to be okay. And then, but then we get that scene that you had already touched on where Rogue is an outsider. She can't sit with the humans because yeah. like she could take a plane, but she yeah, doesn't. Yeah, but she doesn't. Like she, I mean, I she does, but she sits of, like, on the wing of it. she sees herself and like, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of played for comedy, but there's just all these little moments where she like, yeah, she but, just sees that her powers is part of herself. And the human looks at her like he's yeah. scared of her. Like, what the hell? So... You know, and she's sitting there sadly. It, so I think you're right that it is a gay metaphor in this particular episode, especially because like also everybody's hitting on each other. Like that's like a whole thing I that's don't happening. Know if that is an intentional parallel, or if that's just like we notice it. It every could have time. been written subconsciously, more likely. I mean, it could be. I do think that this episode is like kind of sexual because it's definitely an episode where like, well, obviously Wolverine's flirting with everybody. But we also see like a pretty sexy scene between Jean and Cyclops and then a pretty like sexual flirtation from Gambit to Rogue. And like those are straight relationships because like it's the fucking 90s. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is an episode that is coming out and saying like the X-Men are fucking and yeah. this is how it's affecting their lives. Like it's a it's a part of what they're doing. And you know? I, th I think it's I mean, they could do it in so many words on a children's TV show. But I think in terms of like. The fact that all the X-Men are fucking in this is very apparent to Rogue. Like, and she's like, okay, yeah. so like everybody can have sex with each other. Like, 
male or female like it can be straight it can be gay they can all have sex and have that but i can't actually do that and i think that's where gambit's like hey i'll fuck you like you know <laughs> i'll take the chance like I'm... we'll figure it out yeah yeah so, even though gambit's a dick sometimes in this case he was actually being really sweet i think like as i said gambit cares about like three people only and that's like rogue storm and wolverine and the rest of the world can fuck off so yeah so anyway on a different political angle i know we haven't quite gotten to him yet but apocalypse's politics are pretty interesting yeah because he's kind of like a more extreme version of magneto politically where he's like he believes that mutants like he basically just believes in power right but he believes in it to like a way more extreme extent where if you're a mutant and you aren't powerful enough for him then he's still like fuck you like he's only interested in the most powerful possible mutants and like making them even more powerful so it's like survival of the fittest like nazism i guess like it's it's very like ubermensch mentality from him you know yeah it's pretty crazy and like recruiting the most strong possible mutants and he doesn't care who else dies but then also like like, a really bad bad guy enhancing it enhancing them to become even more powerful and he wants humanity dead straight up like dead but like as he said like i want their powers like i don't really fucking care about anyone i just want all the power so yeah But I mean, that's kind of his mindset is being like, yeah, mutants are more powerful than humans to begin with. But also even within mutants, there are individual mutants who are even more powerful than other mutants. And I'm going to like single them out and decide who I want to follow me. And so as far as like villain constructions go, like that's pretty fucking bad. Like he's basically just killing everyone. Mass (laughs) genocide. But then there's also Mystique in this who like is really complicated. And I think does a good job at like sort of subtly going on about mystique's complications and like her political stance on things because obviously i mean she falls in the magneto category where she's like we should be fighting for our fucking rights in this and she's willing to team up with somebody that's going to kill everyone to make it happen and also willing to like throw her daughter into the mix because i i mean she just doesn't fucking care like you know i think she does care but that ultimately she's like people should make their own choices yeah you make your own choice and i think that's mystique in a nutshell yeah although she doesn't really give rogue all the information no she doesn't but like in a way maybe she thinks that she can sort of cure rogue so i think mystique plays that role in the 90s where like okay so like you're gay but we can sort of like cure that but like also so is mystique so whatever Um, I don't know, because by the end of the episode, she kind of seems like relieved that Rogue decides to just be gay slash superpowered. Yeah, but she's trying to let Rogue make her own choice. I know it's it's it is a very weird. Well, I guess I shouldn't say weird. It's a subtle arc. Also, okay, so politically speaking, we have Xavier, who is a douchebag, but he's known (laughs) about this cure for a while and has not told any of his X-Men because Xavier decides that they don't have a choice. They shouldn't be allowed because he thinks that like. They'll just all want to be like he just forgets that he's supposed to be a leader. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like he just was like, oh, right. I have like an entire superpowered team of like 20 something. Right. So be training. Maybe I should ask them if you look at through a political lens, though. Xavier's essentially being like, there's these people out there trying to make gay people straight. And I'm just not even going to tell the X-Men about them because I don't want them to know about it. I don't want them to think that maybe they become normal. And also, like, I'm not going to tell them at all, even though it puts them in further danger by not knowing that there's people out there trying to convert them. 
into i mean like if you put it that way then it sounds like a much more fair way of putting it but he but like, it's also like in real life if this technology were possible i mean it couldn't really be because like sexuality is already like not really understood anyway no but, also like, and i think that's pointed out in this whole episode is that like yeah, they're like is that like it's actually not possible right there's like, a it, there's a cure for your sexuality if you're gay you can be cured and be made straight by this machine by this medicine but like it turns out that's not what it is it's just it's some other like power hungry mongering like dude like you know i'm not gonna point out any names or like you know I mean, cut things in that, our culture yeah. that it could be that is, it turns out that know, it's just this, like somebody taking advantage of and, vulnerable people yes and also somebody who is the person who is funding it is gay themselves and they like want to find a cure for themselves essentially because they can't live with them with themselves being gay so they're gonna fund like these like super powered nazis essentially to like i don't know i mean that's kind of where the metaphor people. like falls apart though because i think i think I, well, apocalypse I think... has kind of decided that he has sort of a, a magneto mindset where he like just does want to kill humans but yeah. i don't even know that he necessarily thinks that being a mutant is better he just cares about power yeah but that's what i'm saying though is a lot like this idea of conversion camps which ties in with like a lot of religion that, like that's about power too like i mean like the more it is, followers yeah. that you have like it, it doesn't matter that if you're like a political party or if you're like a church or some religious organization the more power your power comes from your followers not from you and so like that's what apocalypse is doing he wants more followers and he's willing to trick people like three times over because we have warren who wants to be cured and like has these people want to be cured and then it turns it against them essentially in the same yeah. way the humans were turning mutants against themselves like previously i thought this was interesting too that warren is like specifically a millionaire yeah so he has a type of power that's like really important on earth and unfortunately still is really important on earth which is that he's like really fucking rich yeah except that his mutant power isn't particularly impressive but it doesn't but it doesn't he's matter still really really useful because apocalypse needs actual money in order to get the funding to build all this shit yeah i just thought that was interesting I, I think there's like some pretty heavy comparisons going on here especially oh, with yeah. the gay community I think, so. I think i think obviously most have a handily it's the conversion camps and that that kind of idea but I that think there's like a larger message here about like the far right and like you know ubermensch ideologies and just being like this idea of creating like a perfect team or a perfect person or yeah. yourself of this supposed flaw that you have is right. just like inherently fucked up that you, and, that you can cure with money yeah i mean warren's money yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what i'm saying and so like i think that's it i didn't even think about the hiv aids comparison until you brought it up but i think that's a really good way to come at rogue situation in this story i, I like it's very much that it's like it's just about being gay and like being told that you could be cured of being gay and i think that's so obvious in this episode there's not really any other like parallel you can come up with but i remember i was messaging you while we were watching i was like this episode is so gay like way gayer than like any of the other parts of this so yeah i mean we'll get to that but first we have to talk about a spotlight x-men we do and we had a lot of choices in this episode because like there wasn't like any one new specific character introduced and like gone into detail so i decided to choose one so it's time for who's that, that x-men 
I decided that the best route we could take was not Apocalypse. It wasn't Pyro. It wasn't Avalanche. Although I almost chose Pyro because like he has a lot of lines in this. He does. I felt like the person that we ended up spotlighting the most is Mystique. And Mystique is a huge character in the X-Men comics, obviously. And if you've been paying attention to the movies, they've kind of turned her to a character that she's not really in the comic books. Um, but Mystique is sort of a fucking supervillain and like is continuously somebody that's always winding up in jail because she is like blowing up fucking houses and assassinating people. Like she is an extremist, like, yeah, well, she wants mutants to live. Like, you know, she's Magneto's perspective here. She wants people to live or mutants to live and that mutants should fight for their rights. Uh, in the same way that Emma Frost wants people to fight for their rights, but Mystique will go to like the extreme and she'll be like, this fucking politician is in our way. We're going to fucking kill them. Like, and I'll assume his identity or her identity and just like fucking wreak havoc. Yeah. And they've done that a lot in the movies, which I have appreciated because I think that is pretty important. The original X-Men like version of Mystique, I think is cool. Yeah, I agree. And she did it. It's just the latter day Mystique stuff that is very different. They did some interesting stuff with her in days of future past where she was trying to, assassinate nixon and yeah, like that's true was assuming he was pretty good yeah she kept on assuming herself as Oliver trask and that uh but like you know the the x-men films the first couple i love that scene in x-men 2 where we see well we see this like dude with a briefcase supposedly senator kelly but who we knew was mystique at the end of x-men the first movie and we see senator kelly walking through a courtyard and he passes a pillar and then he's like fucking mystique it's so good i love that mm-hmm. the first two x-men films are really good guys anyway about mystique so her <laughs> real name is raven Darkhome, um and her power is shape-shifting so she can assume the form of pretty much anyone or anything and it also gives her superhuman agility and reflexes and she has she can age she doesn't age so she could live forever and she has an accelerating healing factor so it's been stated by her that she's over 100 years old. We don't know how old she actually is, but she's a fucking granny, guys. And uh, she is an assassin, and she's the person who keeps forming the Brotherhood of Mutants, who, if you are a X-Men movie fan, typically that's always been Magneto's thing. Um, it's actually Mystique who keeps on creating the Brotherhood of Mutants, and Magneto's thing is more like the Alkalites. But Mystique is interesting because she's a supervillain who has a lot of fucking kids on like major characters. Yeah. Like, we know so there's a lot of like good guys are affiliated or related to mystique. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, in the movies, she's played by Rebecca remain Stamos for, oh, sorry. She's not Rebecca. She's just Rebecca remain now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that iteration of her. And I, I even liked Jennifer Lawrence as her. I just wish they hadn't made her so nice. <laughs> yeah, which I think they only did because Jennifer Lawrence's reputation now is like as playing Katniss. And yeah. They were like we got to make Mystique into like a cool heroine. And I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. And I get it. Jennifer Lawrence is great. I have no complaints about Jennifer I Lawrence. Just think I think she could have done a good job of playing a bad character, too. I think so, too. But now she's being it. typecast as like woman hero which is fine but that means she can't do anything else so. i know and i think that sucks and i doubt she's into it either but whatever we made a whole video about that that will come out someday uh probably after we do our apocalypse episode on this show so anyway 
the first kid is between Sabretooth and Mystique when they were undercover and they were trying to assassinate a scientist in East Berlin. And after she kills him, they like hide in a safe location for a while and her and Sabretooth like shack it up. And then she eventually fakes her own death to make Sabretooth leave. And she runs off and has this baby, Grading Creed, who somehow, despite having two mutant parents, is totally human. And she puts him up for adoption and he does his research and figures out the mistakes his mom and gets so angry about finding out who his parents are. Like, he's like, my parents are both mutants and they're fucking terrorists. So, like, yeah. <laughs> my parents are terrorists and just immediately puts two and two together being like mutants are evil terrorists. Um, and so he, Great and Creed, creates the foh also known as the friends of humanity who are literally the nazis like they're the x-men version of the nazis and they run around they have little like or like the kkk they're like sort of like yeah a human, actually that's that's more accurate supremacist group of yeah. sorts and so he's got this whole fucking thing with them and eventually like his people turn against him because they find out that his parents are both mutants and so mystique tries to prevent his followers from killing him but they still kill him and she can't stop them. And so he dies. And then later on in a later iteration of Mystique finds this fucking gun that allows allows her to go between dimensions and go back and forth in time in which she goes and just fucking kills Graydon herself anyway. So he doesn't last forever. He's either killed by his followers or he's killed by his mom. Graydon doesn't have a good life. Um, <laughs> and then when she was still masquerading as Ra- masquerading around as Raven Dark Home, and was living in Germany. She married uh, Baron Christian Wagner. And apparently, you know, he was he was a great husband. He had a lot of money and like did a lot for Mystique when she was, you know, in her human form. He didn't know she was a mutant. But apparently he was fucking terrible in bed. Like that's the actual story plot point. <laughs> and so she's so, he's so bad in bed that Mystique eventually starts sl- like slutting it up in Germany and just changes her form repeatedly as both like men and women. And like just has sex with everyone and eventually has sex with Azazel who uh, he lives in like the Bermuda Triangle essentially and the Island of Demons and they have sex and then at some point after this Mystique's husband's like have you been sleeping around with like everyone? Everyone? And Mystique's like well I'm just gonna fucking kill you so she does (laughs) (laughs) so she kills him and then has this baby who is obviously blue like her and that's nightcrawler mm-hmm. and she just fucking abandons him like in the woods essentially guys mystique's not a good mom like- i know but she also <laughs> she, she we haven't even gotten to rogue yet so eventually it's revealed to like everyone that mystique is nightcrawler's mom and azazel's nightcrawler's dad but that doesn't come until way later and we go through decades of a mystique like hinting at it in the same way that magneto hints that polaris is his daughter because like you know like polaris also has magnet magnesis powers and you know mystique and nightcrawler look the same Mm -hmm. so everyone knows but you know Uh, and then later on mystique adopts rogue because rogue had run away from her home and mississippi when she was like a a, a, like a really little girl like I, i don't think she was into a teenager yet and she was living in the woods and she had a fucking shotgun and like mystique found her and Destiny, uh, Mystique's girlfriend, um, had the power to see into the future and was like, Rogue's going to be super fucking important to us and to the world because her powers can essentially, if she learns how to control her powers, she can have every power in the universe. Mm-hmm. And she's really important to us if we can, you know, make her stay with us. 
So Mystique takes her in and, like, makes Rogue trust her and then eventually, like, actually raises her as her daughter. And, like, this is the first time Mystique, like, experiences any, like, parental responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have that with Nightcrawler and Gradient, but she does with Rogue, um, which explains their complicated relationship. And so, like, Mystique essentially, like, trains Rogue to be part of the Brotherhood. Anyway, there's, like, another period of time where Mystique is undercover as part of, like, the civil service and the government and becomes, like, a trust position to the deputy of direct defenses and, like, has access to, like, all the weapons of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff like that, which eventually puts Mystique head-to-head with Miss Marvel. I think it happens a couple times. When I was younger, I thought Rogue absorbing Miss Marvel's powers was all in the same go as this, but I think Mystique already almost tried to kill Miss Marvel one time and then later on Rogue absorbs her powers because, like, they keep coming to a head with each other. Hmm. That happens, and then... Mystique forms the Brotherhood of Mutants to help her with, like, all her illegal activities. And that's Blob, Destiny, Pyro, Avalanche, Toad eventually, some other characters like Stonewall join. And her first Brotherhood of Mutants, they try to assassinate Senator Kelly, who is the anti-mutant politician who I already mentioned. and Mm -hmm. Who most people are probably familiar with because he's in most adaptations, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the X-Men do stop her and they're all arrested but then, you know, as usual, they break free. And uh, then again, Mystique has Rogue fight Miss Marvel. And that's when she absorbs her powers of mind. And Rogue defects from the Brotherhood of Mutants and from Mystique after uh, one of Mystique's Brotherhood of Mutants members, Mastermind, who like casts illusions, but also can like fuck with your psyche and like make you forget things and make you believe other things like a little bit better than Xavier can, apparently. Mm-hmm. And like Rogue goes to Xavier and she's like, my mind is fucked up. I keep absorbing people. I keep getting their memories. I'm having trouble keeping track of who I am. And now Mastermind really fucked with me. And so Xavier ch- takes her in to help her. And Mystique thinks that Xavier and the X-Men kidnapped Rogue. So they all go and try to kill Professor Xavier. And then Rogue interferes. She's like, no, I came here by my own free will. Like, I need to come here to heal. Like, I can't be part of the Brotherhood anymore. And Mystique lets her go. Like... She, like, is like, that's fucking fair. I just wish you would have told me any of that. So, What's really important about that entire storyline is that Ryan and I adapted it into a terrible X-Men fan film in our teen years called D2. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't know how that relates at all. I know that. Because we have a character in it called Master Brain. Oh, my God. And we also have a character called Mystic and a character called Rouge. And it's more or less a storyline that Ryan just said, except a lot stupider. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see that film of us as teenagers, we did put it on YouTube with Maddie and I reacting to it. It's not very good. You can find it on our YouTube channel at Atomic Blue Productions. And that's Demon is the first one and D2 is the second one. Anyway, I just figured I'd mention that. Nice nice little shout out. Um, (laughs) Okay, so then as anti-mutant sentiment rises like in the 80s, essentially, the government like works with Mystique because Mystique approaches Valerie Cooper, who is like a high government agent is like yo you can have the brotherhood of mutants and we can if we can work off our time by helping you with like this anti-mutant stuff that you want to do and if we can like be absolved of all of our fucking crimes we'll help you and valley cooper's like fine i agree to that but only if you can find magneto and arrest him and mystique's like sure easy peasy we can make that fucking happen and so like mystique and the brotherhood of the universe goes around as like the fucking I think it's the Freedom Force. Is that what they're called? Mm. Uh, this is this is eighties. This is around the same time as the Morlock Massacre. 
Oh. Yeah, it is the Freedom Force. They keep on going around. They keep on trying to, like, stop vigilantes like the Avengers and, like, the X-Men. And they're being implemented by the government. Because at this time, the Avengers are not part of, like, the government. That doesn't happen until way later. I think it was, yeah, like, in the I've 2000s. Yeah, I've read those comics, actually, where the Avengers, like, decide to become part of the government again, and they're, like, really annoyed about it. Yeah, that's a lot of what Civil War the movie's about, actually. It is, but there's also all these old comics where it's, like, a thing. Um, And so during, like, one of these many attacks, the X-Men come head-to-head with them and the Avengers, and Destiny, Mystique's girlfriend, is murdered during one of them. Like, she just doesn't fucking survive. And that fucks Mystique up, like, even more than she's already been fucked up before. Mystique, like, runs off. She goes through this whole phase where Valerie Cooper then gets controlled by the fucking Shadow Kane. And so Mystique goes and finds the Shadow Kane's host and kills that to save Professor Xavier. And so she, like, is allowed to live with the X-Men for a little while. But then, like, she's, just, like, so fucked up that, like, her and this, you know, the other character Forge go off and do their own thing. Okay, there's like this whole period of time where um, essentially we go through, I think it's the late 80s, early 90s, where X-Factor happens. And it's like this different version of X-Factor where Mystique is working with the X-Men and this version of the X-Men is working for the government. It's like just this specific team of Forge is on it and like they allow Mystique to stay, stay on the team because Forge put this like implant in her brain so the government can track where the fuck she is, even if she's like shifting as somebody else. Um, and she also has a relationship with Forge for a really long time. Like her and Forge are like fucking hot in bed and sweaty and fucking throughout the entire decade. Oh my god! And then there's like a period period of time where it turned out that Destiny had kids that she didn't tell Mystique about, and one of them was like a mutant. And then Great and Creed tried to like beat up the kid and sent it as a warning to Mystique. That's what that's when all that whole fucking storyline happens, where like Graydon dies multiple times in a row uh and then after that mystique becomes a fashion model for a little while because why not and during that time she discovers one of destiny's diaries which becomes like a major point of the x-men series and still is where apparently they have all these diaries that destiny saw the future of and she's like these are all the things you need to prevent this horrible future from happening and so the x-men occasionally go through these periods are like the fucking diary said this we need to do this and mystique does it too and it's like fucking craziness uh, for a little while, like her mis- her powers randomly stopped, and like she was put in jail because they were able to catch her. And it turned out to be the High Evolutionary, which the X Men defeat. And as soon as like that dude's dead, Mystique gets her powers again and escapes jail once again. Then Mystique finds out that Destiny was one of the founding members of an anti mutant conspiracy for a while. Wow! And so Mystique gets like really fucked up by all that, <laughs> and that whole thing was like. Destiny was like willfully withheld like medical treatment to mutant children that would have resulted in them not growing up deformed due to their mutations. God, there's so many mystique notes. I can't believe I did this all in 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be a lot because again, it's like decades of comic book. History I know, and a mystique is like such a huge character. I know. Uh, and then Mystique reforms the Brotherhood of Mutants for a while to assassinate Senator Kelly again. It doesn't work out because Pyro turns against them and then fucking mystique like blows up moira mctaggart's lab and she's arrested but then she escapes again because she's fucking mystique and then there's like mystique got a solo series in like the early 2000s and i actually recommend reading these because they were really good and fun in which professor x forces mystique to become his secret agent and like he's like you know as long as you do this for me i can put this new implant in your brain that forge created that will like hide you from the government and from the the entire world 
and I'll keep you safe from the authorities as long as you go and do these missions, but you can't kill anybody because we don't kill because we're fucking Batman, apparently. And, like, if you <laughs> kill somebody, I'm turning it off. So Mystique does all these missions, and then, like, this other guy that's an enemy of Xavier's, the quiet man, that's his name, uh, like, goes up to Mystique. He's like, hey, if you turn against an Xavier and kill him, I'll turn off that thing in your head. But Mystique eventually figures out pretty quickly that the quiet man is lying. And so she just fucking kills the quiet man herself. And Xavier's like, well, we said no killing. And Mystique's like, the fuck he was going to kill you. Like, that's the choice being made here. And so Forge takes her little like fucking ship and destroys it. And then they like kiss one last time and go their separate ways again. Uh, And then Mystique is gone for a while. And she comes back in like the mid 2000s. And she's disguised as this like mutant that goes by the name as of fox kit fox and i'm just kidding uh <laughs> and this is this is like fucking classic mystique bullshit where she joins the x-men it's specifically to keep on seducing gambit over and over again oh my god and then eventually because she's like you're no good for my daughter so i'm just gonna keep on trying to seduce you and then she like transforms into rogue she's like if you fuck me as my daughter it won't count as cheating <laughs> But it does, and it is like shortly after that, Everfrost is like, "Hey, I used my psychic power since nobody else is, and uh, that's Mystique." And Mystique's like, "Look, I've just been really lonely, and I want to join the X Men." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, we'll vote on it." And they all say yes. And Nightcrawler's like, "I'm not saying yes yet, like guys, what?" <laughs> like, so Nightcrawler's like, "I'm gonna leave for a little while because what the fuck, guys? Really? Like, yeah." It's a lot. There's like this whole fucking story, and I made a note about this because I haven't actually read it, and I really should. I don't know. It was somewhere between like 2009 and 2011 or something, because there was like definitely two years where I just was not reading anything for a little while. And there's like some subplot line where there's like a fucking baby, and like the baby has an illness, and like Neek's Rogue's powers, and Mr. Sinister is fucking involved, and Mystique's manipulating Gambit to do work for him. I think I actually have read some of these. Because yeah. I think, I think I was reading X-Men during that time because I I thought you were going to get to this, but I don't remember it super well. But I do remember there was a whole period of time where Mystique was manipulating Gambit and like making him do things for her. And yeah, this is like all part of it. I remember some of those and I remember like Rogue confronting them and it being like a whole big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like there's like this baby and like if rogue touches the baby like yeah. all the viruses will go away and like they'll come up with the pure <laughs> yeah. but then and this is I, all I, vaguely familiar i'm yeah, like picturing know, the comic book panels in my mind right and then fucking mr sinister's there and they I don't know, it's like yeah. one of the thousands of times they kill mr when sinister isn't mr sinister there? i know and like she touches the fucking baby and like rogue dies and like <laughs> or the baby dies i think they all fucking die again yeah, it's like you knew they were all gonna die and mystique's like it was for the fate of the world but then they all lived and mystique's like i didn't protect that gotta go and again it's like i fucking hate you yeah, that's like a whole thing. And I, I do want to read it because it I remember sh- like being confused, but it's it got to because- be confusing. But it's like a mystique storyline. So it's already confusing because you never know who the fuck she is. Like, yeah, I mean, you'd probably get a kick out of it. Probably. Um, I wanted to make note about that because that's a major plot line. And it, I think it's because they I wish like, I remembered mystique, it better. Well, mystique like read one of Destiny's diaries and like that's how that whole fucking yeah. plot line happened. 
And there's like a period of time where Wolverine tracked Mystique to the Middle East and they like have their whole fucking fight. And Logan's like, you betrayed her. You betrayed Alice. And then like it's sort of revealed that Logan and Mystique, since they both have been living for like hundreds of years, also may have had a sexual relationship at one point in time. So like that's like a whole other thing. Um, There's a period of time where Mystique shows up as Bobby Drake's ex-girlfriend, Opal, and keeps trying to kill him. One of the later and probably last storylines with her is that Mystique joins Norman Osborn's Dark X-Men when we went to that phase of the Dark X-Men and Dark Avengers thing. And she posed as Professor Charles Xavier and like would go out and as a PR and say all these fucking shitty things as Professor Xavier. Not that they needed to have her do that. Cause say, like, like that, honestly, that sounds fine. Like nobody probably noticed the difference. Yeah, I was going to say it's a still Xavier. Um, <laughs> like that would be really funny. Like parody comic to do where Mystique just keeps trying to say like increasingly shitty things as Professor X and everyone's like, that's fine. And Mystique yeah. is like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I really want there to be like a comedy version of the X-Men. This will be part of our X-Men musical. We're going to write. Well, anyway. if we ever make X, then i guess it'll you be mean d3 or whatever yeah well oh, let's wow. make x3 that movie sucked <laughs> yeah i mean we could probably make a better version of x3 with like a shitty handy cam from like 2001 anyway uh, so so she joins the the dark x-men and that only happens because like norman osborne like ejects her with this like thing that's like if you def- defy anything would do your entire body will explode like a human bomb it seems and- like that's how everybody controls mystique is just like by putting something in her body that makes it impossible for her to i mean them. there's like no real uh, other way though because she can shift into anything you never know where she is like she's the ultimate assassin like and she at will kill people like and you know also what I mean? like, she like has no emotional attachment so there's no other way to manipulate her really and she's like so that. fucked up like yeah I think eventually, like, they do come to heads with the X-Men and Wolverine kills her. And, like, Lord Deathstrike auctions off her body for, like, $5 million to the Hand, like the ninjas. And the Hand are infamous for bringing people back to life. So Mystique died and was revived by the Hand. And, like, that's when she posed as Sabretooth for a while to, like, go work for the new Hellfire Club to destroy the X-Mansion. And the last time we saw her, I think she was working again for Magneto's unnamed supervillain group to fight against Red Skull, which was pretty recent. And so she's just back to being a villain again. Cool. That's just this. This this is like Wolverine, where it's like the tip of her history when there's actually a lot more than that. I just picked probably the most important storylines with her. And it was still like a 10 minute segment. That fucking Wolverine segment. Oh, my God. He has too much backstory, like too much. That's like they keep on being like, what's Wolverine's origin? Let's creep writing more of it. And I'm just like, can we not? Well, it's because it's because Wolverine is such a beloved character. I don't I know. know that Mystique has that much cachet. Like, I no. think Mystique is cool, but I, I don't really think that anybody has ever been like, what's Mystique's origin? Which is kind of too bad because she has a similar deal to Wolverine where she's got like the healing factor and she's lived for a really long right. time. Right, And she also like worked with Weapon X for a little bit. Oh, I want to mention this because I uh, earlier in the series is like, I've got my top 20 X-Men and I'll reveal them as they're revealed. <laughs> and we we know that Jubilee's at number two, Archangel's at number three, Mr. Sinister's at number four, and Wolverine's surprisingly at number five. And it's only because those other characters are just fucking great. And Mystique ranks at number 16 for me on my top 20. So cool. I, yeah, I do love some Mystique. I don't think we're going to find out who my number one is until like, way later i don't think sh- mm, i can't say who it is <laughs> but i i won't i'm sure you know who it is i i mean it's professor x right 
Professor X can fucking die in a fire. <laughs> I'm so mad that Professor X fucking like died and fucking like went to heaven. Did you see that? I sent I sent you like a clip of that. Like there's like a storyline where like Nightcrawler comes back from the dead and Wolverine's out like crying and like looking for Nightcrawler and they find each other and like seriously look like they're fucking making out. And like before they get to that point, like fucking Xavier, like toxic Nightcrawler is like, if you go back to life, you can never come back to heaven, Nightcrawler. And I Wait, just, I don't want this. Go to heaven? What the hell? I don't fucking <laughs> if know. If you turn the clock back, you can never go back to heaven. I know. And I, I, no. Anyway, so I'm just <laughs> mad that Xavier. First of all, like I don't believe in that particular religion. And secondly, like fucking Xavier, all people gets existed, to go to fucking. If, it, if heaven exists, Xavier is not fucking going there. I think we yeah. can all agree on that. I know. Like. He's a fucking asshole. He's like, not, I'm sorry, mate. I, I'm just going on a tangent. Of, this we is talk unrelated. about this on every I'm episode. Sorry. And if you want to know why we hate him so much, you can go back and listen to the beginning of the show. And it's I, it's ironic because we have a show about the X-Men, which is created by X-Xavier. And it's like, Xavier is probably my least favorite character in the entire fucking Marvel Universe. Like, I mean, honestly, I didn't used to have as much of a problem with him. And like, I didn't used to get it. And then I like read more and more comics and I was like, oh. Uh yeah i know it's like whatever you're like team fucking xavier or team magneto it's like you want to go team magneto even though he's like sort of a terrorist like he's fucking like fighting for his right think about it magneto's at least like trying to save his people and xavier like withholds fucking information from his from his people and like will willingly put them at risk without telling them what is going on I know. Like, anyway, we're anyway, way off topic. And we it's are. It's time for us to do Xavier. the best possible segment on this show, which is... Wolverine Gets X-Men. to Date Ryan. Yeah. Which is a segment <laughs> called Wolverine Gets to Date Ryan. Oh my god, did that get its own theme song? Is it that official? After years of waiting Dreams come It's like a continuing part story where like I tell a tiny piece of like my date and it's like wacky and 80s like and then like you have to tune into the next episode to see like what happens next on Wolverine and Ryan's wacky date like first they're roller skating Wolverine trips and like claws somebody and then they're like at the fucking arcade in the next episode. Honestly I I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I don't think our show needs another segment. But, <laughs> I don't know. You tell us, listeners. Email us at themutantages at gmail.com if you want that. <laughs> Please do. Everyone Please do does. actually email us. But we are not done with this show yet because we have to talk about who the gayest X-Men is. And that's the most important part of this show. Fuck the rest of the show. It is the most important part of the show. The to choose from in this episode it everyone's could be gay. wolverine who hit on literally everybody <laughs> um in an not, adorable construction site scene which it's was not cyclops in this episode it's cyclops doesn't make the game meter in this he doesn't 
um it could be cable and warren for whatever oh the heck god. they're doing it could be warren just for being warren. it was oh my god i was gonna say what about just fucking straight up warren it yeah. could be avalanche and pyro I, yeah that was my third like avalanche and pyro just seem to actually be married in this episode like just <laughs> they're together so i don't i don't know like i mean pyro does keep on heading on like rogue cable. but like and well, it's cable too but like it's like in a way where he's just trying to see he's like fuck with mystique i mean who knows anyway it's it's like a genuinely tough call who was your favorite of those or or are there any others that you uh, want to mention in in my opinion i already went on a fucking tangent about this at the beginning of the show but like warren is really gay on this show and like in the other iterations we see of warren and like x-men evolution and wolverine the x-men he's not like he is here where he's just so like gay and also like a little pompous but like he's also like tortured closeted gay man yeah i feel like like that's really a storyline that personally resonates with me but definitely did with a young ryan i'm sure (laughs) i don't know warren's gone (laughs) like all of that it just it's not really my thing but i totally get why it's i just imagine warren going on myspace and be like warren's dead now now only Archangel exists. I tried to suppress him for all this time, but because of all the things that happened you at this convention, don't know that like that was like Ryan's live journal for like all of my live journal could be its own show, and it's just like ridiculous. Like <laughs> it's like really bad. Like everyone looks back at their live journals or their old journals from when they're kids. Like God, I was annoyed, but like we look back at mine and and regularly and like laugh at it it's because amazing. it's like. It's, it's like it's a catalog of whatever. Anyway, that's not what this show is. The point no, but is, I can I can imagine Warren writing a fucking poem in his live journal about how roses prick the blood of his soul. Like, yeah. definitely, that's a thing that Warren's doing here. I mean, all right, I'm willing to get on board for Warren. I was gonna say Pyro and Avalanche because I like thought they were like a cute couple. I was, I, yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. I well, I mean, then I guess we can give honorable mention to Warren because I will say that this is like one of the first episodes we've seen where we have kind of like a closeted slash feeling ashamed storyline because we have it with warren and we kind of have it with rogue also where like a character is sort of being presented as like not wanting to be gay slash a mutant and And that's really tragic and it's not it's not really something we've seen yet and it's like sad to watch so it's like not as joyful as this segment usually is no but but there's there is avalanche and pyro who i think they're just fucking and having a great time (laughs) Uh, pyro i guess is gay because he's fucking like he calls cable his darling i know if I had my fan fiction version of the show, every single ca- time Cable appeared, there would have been like a sex scene with him being like, I'm looking for what's what's his, uh, what what is that? I already blinked on the scientist's name right now. Um, Dr. Adler. Yeah, Adler. <laughs> every single time he's like, I'm looking for Adler. He goes into Warren's thing and he's like fucking him. He's like, tell me where Adler is. And then later on, he runs to Pyro and he's like, I like this, but I'm ashamed of myself. I know. And then then later, Cable runs into like Pyro and then they have the same thing where he's like, where's Adler? And he's like fucking Pyro asking him. And then like, even as Mystique as a man, he's like fucking Adler is like, you're Adler. (laughs) There's also Avalanche and Pyro having sex on the beach. Yeah. Which we, so really, that, this that never entire episode happened. is actually just a porn that we've written. I, I, hold on, I was literally <laughs> referencing like that scene where they like 
fight each other and talk, talk about kidnapping Miss Deep. Okay, but yeah, I already and forgot, then Pyra's like, was... also like, let me dry off my costume first. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, Pyro? Like, you have to dry off your costume before you guys can go do anything? Like, whatever. Oh, well, I guess he needs it for his powers. But like, in my head, I had already forgotten that that scene we talked about earlier where like they had sex on the beach didn't happen. Like, I've already like, and have clear distinct memories of them like sitting around on the beach naked together and i was like that didn't happen that wasn't in the episode that was only our version of the episode (laughs) our version was better yeah finally i do sort of give a shout out to wolverine because like i love Mm -hmm. i just really love that scene where he was being an asshole and hitting on everyone while being it was amazing it was like a scene that wasn't important to the episode but was nonetheless amazing hilarious and like quintessential x-men where like everybody was just being themselves and it was perfect and Wolverine's bend. I love. I love him being like, "Watch me, Remy," and like <laughs> bends like, over Watch and sticks. Out, his- Gumbo. <laughs> I know, but he's like sticking his ass up while like doing whatever, and like Gambit <laughs> is like being like, "What? The- like, why are we doing this right now?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> the X Men are amazing. I love Wolverine. I okay. So we're gonna say Pyro and Avalanche. They take the cake. Yeah, they win, and right. we're gonna give a shout out to Warren. All right, fair enough to me. To me, for me. Yeah, to you, Warren Worthington. <laughs> Warren Worthington called me specifically and was like, War- Ryan, you better do a shout out to me and how our relationship, our re- didn't my relationship mean something to you? I wrote about it in my live journal. <laughs> oh my God. Dating Warren would be such a fucking chore. Yeah, anyway. I mean, ask Betsy. Psylocke knows. Anyway, we got to do reader mail. So first of all, we have a email from gabrielle and she actually emailed us before the last episode we recorded and i was like we'll record this on the next episode but i didn't read it because like i forwarded it from a different account to our mutant ages Ryan, account and none thought of it was this matters okay like... the point is i fucked up and i'm sorry that i didn't read it and it's on me and i'm gonna read it now and it's like it's just a cute little note this is please never end this podcast i love it more than life you are both very funny p.s maddie please make a mail song and at that point maddie hadn't but she I did. did I did make a male song. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm it's glad really you're enjoying short. the show. It's just like me playing the X-Men theme really quickly. But I yeah. mean, it works for me. But thank you. I mean, you guys can email us and you don't need to, like, have suggestions or anything. You can just tell us if you're enjoying the show. Like, that's always really good to read. And makes, it's awesome. It makes me feel good because it makes us feel like we're doing something. <laughs> so <laughs> if you don't like the show, you can email us and we'll probably still read that anyway. Honestly, um, yeah, if we start getting hate mail, we'll read it. But I think in general, if you'd like, if there's something you don't like about the show, I'm up for hearing about that because, like, that honestly makes it better. Like, oh, yeah, we can, that's fine, too. Like, yeah, for but, example, like, if, it's if you constructive, don't like the fact that we have really long episodes. Yeah, you could say that, and we'll, like, work on making them shorter. I think, like, you can say <laughs> things like that. That's a fair point. Like, constructive. I went to art school, guys. Like, you have to do constructive criticism. All right, so we have another email here, and it's entitled colossus stuff from ray hi ray hey guys great show this week a couple of things about colossus i think you might find interesting first off rogue absorbed colossus a number of times to absorb his powers but no- most notably they kissed once and there was no effect to either of them Ooh. this went unexplained because why not he was seemingly killed during a fight with the brood when they shot him with some sort of acid beam which corroded with his metal storm tried to dilute it and it stopped the acid eating him but then he fell on a spike and died. <laughs> and this is important because I didn't mention this. Lastly, in the Ultimates universe, he came out as gay. And I don't know why I did not mention that because, like, that's important. 
Um, was because as we repeated like 60 times in the past episode, neither of us know a lot about Colossus or like are Colossus fans, really. No, but I read the Ultimates and like I knew that Colossus came out as gay and Nightcrawler is like, that's against God. And then they like they fought, even though Nightcrawler is clearly I having really sex with Wolverine. I you to say and then they fucked, which says I a mean, lot about what I expect of our show. I mean, that's also what a lot about what the X-Men's about. And then he writes, also, you guys have an open invite to come over and watch X-Men. LOL. See you next time. <laughs> Do you remember how la- on last the last show we talked about how anybody who wanted us to come over and watch X Men with them could? Yeah, and I guess we're like, coming Maddie, over. don't say that because we can't actually do that. And then I left it in the show anyway. Good times. Oh my god, <laughs> guys, we can't actually come over to your house and watch X Men, but hopefully this show is good enough. It's pretty much the equivalent. Well, if we ever do a convention and we do like a live one of these, you can come over for that. Well, we've got some conventions that we might be planning to go to in the coming year, so maybe we can start doing little promos about those when they're coming up. Yeah, there's actually some right now that I'm trying to work out details with. So cool. But thank you for sending us emails. You can email us anything, like I said. Um, and we'll yeah, read it on air. Definitely email us if you have like fun facts that we didn't cover in an episode, like Ray sent us about Colossus. That's super yeah. helpful and awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in that case, like one of them was a fact I didn't know and I just totally forgot to mention it on that episode. So But more importantly, Rogue could totally be fucking Colossus. I mean, I guess so. Anyway. <laughs> but Colossus is too busy trying to fuck Kitty. Kitty's yeah, like, I mean, get Colossus away. just isn't interested, I guess. That's too bad. <laughs> so you can follow our stuff. First of all, you can subscribe to The Mutant Ages on iTunes and on SoundCloud, SoundCloud Stitcher, on all that whatever. fun jazz. And if you want to leave us reviews, always super helpful because it gets other people to like be like, hey, is this X-Men show worth listening to? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, please leave us reviews or a rating. And another cool thing you can do is tell your friends about our show. There's another uh, podcast that I really love that's on hiatus right now. That's called Explain the X-Men. And they do comic books and they go through the history of the X-Men comics. And they're really great, but they went on hiatus. And so a lot of people I have been reading have been looking for a new X-Men show. And if somebody brings it up to you, tell them to come listen to our show for now. Uh, Yeah. I'm not saying don't stop. I'm not saying convert to our show because i as i said i love it their podcast but if you're looking for something to fill that gap we're a show that's doing at least the cartoons also we have other shows and a youtube channel and you can find all that stuff at atomicblueproductions.com and you can follow us on twitter there's the mutant ages for this show and i'm also on twitter at Mitty myers and i'm on twitter at ryan pagella and you can follow atomic blue on youtube uh at atomic blue productions and if you go hit that subscribe button you get access to all kinds of fun little things that maddie and i make speaking of getting access to stuff if you support us on patreon with actual money then you'll get access to stuff that nobody else gets to see like behind the scenes stuff for all the goofy youtube videos that we make and like free copies of soundtracks and i don't know all kinds of cool stuff yeah and we're actually fixing the tiers right now so you guys can get more stuff what you even get now because Maddie and I constantly are like, maybe we should be doing more. Like, <laughs> by the way, if you ever have any feedback at all about literally anything we're doing, please tell us because yeah. we're really just making it up as we yeah, go. Yeah, email here. us. So uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. That's fine too, and and we'll do our best to accommodate you. And if you do support us on Patreon, like 
I, you don't have to, but if you do decide to, don't think you need to give us a lot of money, like anything yeah, like that. Yeah, it can that. seriously just be a dollar. Like even that is super awesome. And now I'm starting a new podcast that is hopefully, I think, I think it's going to already be out by the time this one hits, but we have a new podcast called Warcraft Valley, which is me. I mean, and, I guess it's also worth noting that we both have full-time jobs and we're just doing this uh, for fun. I have, I have more than one full-time job. Yeah, so like, this is just like something that we're doing in addition to everything else. And I know there are people who are like, why don't you put out even more content? And I'm like, well, because we're already spending. Like, we literally don't have any time. I don't have time to play fucking Zelda, okay? Everybody's already beaten all the fucking shrines and shit. And I've like hit Dude, like same. I'm never going to beat Zelda in. at this rate because it's all about podcasting so anyway you should support us because we're working really darn hard yeah and i i am I'm gonna cut some of this out we that's, plugged that's way fine. too long well I'm, I'm gonna i am gonna plug this because it just started but if you enjoy our show uh me and maddie's other best friend katie she's the one that introduced maddie and i when we were kids and maddie and katie used to role play stories we used to role play and like write a bunch of fan fiction together and once we met ryan we all wrote fan fiction together and, then and so we're katie and i are going through and reading it and right now our all of our self-insert characters are hanging out with the gargoyles and that's at warcraft valley and soon the x-men come and it's just like very sexual because i think we i like i was 13 then so ryan suddenly was like Haha, <laughs> I'm dating Storm, but like also Iceman. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. If you want to hear us laugh at our own fan fiction, you can at the Warcraft Valley. Anyway, that's enough plugging. The end. Thank you for listening. If you made it through this episode, <laughs> thank you. You thank are a you. trooper. I don't know why you listen to this show. <laughs> and with that. See, See you, you next time. time. Da -da 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 -da. Da -da 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 -da. Follow us at atomicblueproductions.com or support us at patreon.com/atomicblueproductions.